listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Continuing in a series of messages we uh, started a couple of weeks ago, uh, really kind of talking um, about learning how to handle, to deal with uh, toxic people. And last week we talked about toxic religious or poisonous uh, people uh, and how Jesus kind of dealt with uh, the religious toxic people of his day. And we particularly looked at uh, two groups that uh, Jesus dealt with quite often, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Today, I want to kind of begin to focus in kind of a different area on toxic relationships, and I want to talk about how to deal with toxic family members. Now, for obvious reasons, uh, this is one of those uh, that you probably wished I would have started with because most of us have come to kind of realize uh, through our own personal experience that some of the most toxic relationships that we experience are those within our own families. And one of the many challenges I think all of us uh, face in dealing with uh, toxic family members is not just how to deal effectively uh, with them, but how to love them as we really strive to be authentic in our relationship uh, with God. So I'd like to just kind of start off with the Bible verse is a way just to kind of encourage you from 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And there it says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. The bullseye of this whole series really, uh, and, and the goal really is uh, to uh, learn to love people well. And for those of you who have been a part of our Wednesday night uh, study on emotionally healthy spirituality, Again, the goal of that whole study there really has uh, been to bring us to a place in our spiritual maturity where we can really begin to love people well. So learning to love other people well, even those uh, who are toxic uh, in our relationships and our, as members of our family, really is the goal in this series. Uh, the kind of love we're going to need. If we're really going to love, especially toxic family members uh, in our lives, it's got to come from God. It is not something we can manufacture. It's not something we can produce on our own, uh, we are going to need all of the assistance um, of God that he has to give. So since we're talking about toxic people, let me kind of just define this, because this isn't really about irritating people, okay? All of us in this room, we have people in our lives that irritate us from time to time. You know, if you're married, I mean, there are just times where your spouse can be irritating, but that doesn't make them toxic, Co-workers, neighbors, friends, family members, you know, crazy drivers, telephone solicitors, store clerks, building contractors. Every one of us in this room, we're going to encounter from time to time people who irritate us. And that's the way life is. And it's like that for all of us. So our, our goal in this series isn't to avoid irritating people because really to do that, we would have to live on a deserted island because, again, every one of us, we get irritated from time to time, and we're going to be around people who are irritated from time to time. 
Toxic relationships are really something totally different. When I'm talking about a toxic relationship, I'm talking about people who are stuck in a way of relating to one another that is destructive. It's poisoning. It's hurting them both physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Toxic is when uh, two people just continue to hurt each other and, and there's no help for the other and there's no hope from the other. Toxic relationships are those that are destructive uh, to one another's health, to one another's spirituality, to one another's soul. That's what it means to have a toxic relationship and that's really what we're trying to talk about here this morning. So before we begin to look at some solutions, because God does have some great solutions for us, let me just give you kind of a few facts about toxic family members. The number one fact is we all have toxic family members, okay? I was raised in a very, very uh, toxic family, not just in my immediate family, but that toxicity kind of spread even into my extended families, okay? Uh, just by a show of hands, how many of you are sitting next to someone who's toxic? <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Again, all of us have toxic family members. And the thing that I want you to understand is you're not in this alone. We all struggle with this. In fact, if you're even remotely familiar with the Bible, I mean, there were a lot of toxic relationships uh, in families there. I mean, the book of Genesis, the first brother killed the first brother. Now, you've got to admit, that's pretty toxic, right? Abraham had a child by his wife's maid and then later puts them out into the desert uh, to die. Okay, that's not only toxic. I mean, that's worse than most soap operas, right? Remember Joseph's 11 brothers? They want to kill him, and they only you know, kind of pull back from that when they figure out a way to kind of make some money off of him, so they sell him into slavery. I mean, that's toxic. Lot's two daughters, they decide, you know, one day they're going to get their father drunk so they can have children by their father. I mean, that's not only toxic. I mean, that's a topic for Dr. Phil, right? You have Jacob who's trying to trick his blind father out of an inheritance, and all of this toxic relationships uh, is just from the first book of the Bible. Some of you are sitting there right now, and you're thinking, man, you know, my family doesn't look so bad compared to all of those families in the Bible. I mean, some of you can go home right now completely relieved uh, with some hope because you've suddenly realized the relationships you're dealing with aren't so bad and that you're not alone. And again, other people are dealing with the same thing. And you know what? Some people are dealing with much worse uh, than some of us. The truth is, you see in the first pages of the Bible, all of the things that really kind of, you know, make families toxic. You've got envy, jealousy, entitlement, lying, favoritism, fear, you know, those unfair or unspoken expectations, power struggles, materialism, sexual sin, perversion, anger, apathy, selfishness. It's all there, and some of you have experienced that and more. And that's what I mean when I talk about toxic relationships. When I talk about toxic relationships, being imperfect or being sinful isn't what makes the relationship 
toxic because every one of us is imperfect. Every one of us struggles with mistakes and failures. What makes the relationship toxic is when you get stuck. Toxic relationships really develop when you kind of get stuck in sin. You get stuck in the past. You get stuck in unforgiveness. You get stuck in bitterness. You get stuck in unhealthy relationships. That's what eventually leads and creates the toxic relationship. And again, every one of us in this room have toxic family members. Fact number two is all relationships, all toxic relationships are not equal. Now what you'll find as you kind of deal with toxic family members is some family members are more toxic than others. You know, some, some situations, circumstances are more poisonous and they last longer and have a deeper and a greater impact than other toxic relationships. In fact, did you know that the most radioactive element that has the longest shelf life, by that I mean stays radioactive the longest, is uranium-238? They estimate, because I don't know how anybody could have ever figured this out, they estimate, based on the makeup of this, that it has a shelf life of 4.5 billion years. Well, that's a long shelf life. The radioactive element that has the shortest shelf life is radon-222. It has a shelf life of 3.8 days. Now, I tell you that because when it comes to toxic relationships, you got to decide. Is this a 3.8-day toxic relationship? Or is this one of these, you know, 4.5 billion year toxic relationships? Because, again, some relationships are more toxic than others. Some toxic relationships, they may be comprised of, you know, one argument, one situation, one misunderstanding, and you can, you know, pretty easily work through it. Other toxic relationships may be comprised of, you know, just lifetime, lifelong patterns and habits, uh, you know, that have to be worked through again and again and again. So again, some relationships are just going to be more difficult. They're going to be more toxic than others. Fact number three is when it's toxic, you got to act. If you have something in your home and you kind of realize that that's poisonous or it's hazardous, okay, most of us here would do something to immediately get that out of our home, to get that out of our environment. You would want to resolve that as quickly as possible. You wouldn't kind of, you know, study that on the internet, you know, for three weeks to, you know, kind of determine how radioactive, you know, how hazardous is that, no, you're going to do something about it immediately because when it's toxic, when it's hazardous, when it's destructive, you want to act quickly. You just can't have something that's toxic, hazardous, poisonous, and just expect it to kind of resolve itself or get better on its own because chances are very good that won't happen. If it's toxic, you got to do something about it immediately. So the question is, how in the world do you handle toxic family members? I'm going to give you four prayers because I believe prayer is the best place to start. Now, why prayers? Because the strength, the ability, the wisdom, the courage, the discernment, and the endurance to live this out must 
come from God if it's going to be successful. It's kind of like we talked about in that song, I surrender all. If you're really going to surrender it all, you are going to need God's help. Now, this is interesting because, you know, again, the methods or, you know, the processes for dealing with toxic family members, they really are fairly simple. You know, most of us would not have a hard time if I were just to kind of give you three or four different methods. However, I really believe the ability uh, to live out those methods can really be very, very complex and draining because if you've not yet discovered this, what you'll come to discover is a lot of times your family, especially those that know you well, kind of have emotional hooks in you. And by that, I mean they kind of know how to push your buttons, okay? Family members kind of know what it is that kind of, you know, sets you off. And, and once they've kind of pushed your buttons and set you off, you know what? Our process, our methods all go out the window, and it suddenly becomes a WWF smackdown, right? So it can be very, very complicated in applying any just simple Methods. I can tell you if you're dealing with a toxic relationship, I can tell you, you know, uh, the methods you could use are you stop, you distance yourself from what's toxic, you refuse, you know, to buy in, to play in to their toxic games. I can give you those methods, but it really is only God who can give you the strength, the endurance, the wisdom to actually do it. So I want you to notice these prayers I'm going to give you kind of over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to, you know, give them to you all the, way Jesus, all, all the ways Jesus began to teach us to pray, beginning with the word Father, okay? So we're going to begin these prayers with that word. That is how Jesus teaches us to pray. So prayer number one, we need to honestly pray. If we're serious about dealing with toxic family members is, Father, enable me to forgive my family, Father, enable or empower me to forgive my family. Now, even as I, I say that, let me just right away kind of acknowledge that even that suggestion can kind of sound toxic to some of you hearing it. Some of you are hearing that and you're kind of thinking to yourself, forgive my family. Are you crazy? Are you nuts? I, don't you realize what they've done to me? I mean, if you knew what they did to me, you would know why this is not even a possibility. I can never accept or be okay with what they did to me. Now, I was going to tell you from my own personal experience, I understand that. Sometimes the difficulty in forgiving someone is we truly oftentimes don't really understand what it means to forgive, and perhaps, more importantly, what forgiveness doesn't mean. See, forgiveness does not mean accepting or approving of what the offender did to you. Forgiveness is not about excusing, justifying, or pardoning what the offender did to you. Again, it's acknowledging that, you know, what they did to you was wrong. It was painful, it may have even been evil. Forgiveness is not denying, it's not turning a blind eye to what the offender did to you. So what does it mean to forgive? Forgiveness means, again, you fully recognize and you come to terms with the wrong 
that has been done to you, but in spite of all of that, you just choose to release it, to let it go. You just kind of give it all to God. Again, that's the underlying concept in I surrender all. Forgiveness involves you saying to God, instead of me holding on to all of this, the memories, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the rage, instead of me holding on to all of this and trying to make sense of it all and trying to work it all through and to understand why, to get my own revenge, God, I am just going to put this totally, completely, wholly into your hands and trust that you will do the right thing with this. See, again, if, if you try to hold on to that, if you try to deal with that, if you're trying to make sense of all of that, you know, oftentimes, inevitably, it's just going to entrap you in bitterness, anger, strife, and it'll kind of come back to hurt you more than the one who hurt you. So forgiveness is, again, you just release it. You let it go. You surrender it. You offer it to God, and you just let go of your desire to fix it, your desire to resolve it, or your desire for revenge and punishment. Again, forgiveness is a, a huge issue in families because we're so close. We know family members, and they know us so well. And because of that, we know how to hurt one another in, in not just big ways, but also just in little ways. Even Jesus' first disciples had to kind of deal with this. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter puts this question to Jesus, and he says, Lord, how often, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And isn't that interesting? Peter probably thinks in his statement that he's just offering up, you know, a magnanimous number, a generous offer there in forgiving someone seven times. For most of us, if we were honest, one time would be more than enough. One time would be more than generous, more than they might deserve. But again, Peter offers up this big number of seven times. And you know, back in Peter's day, that was, that was a, a magnanimous, that was revolutionary. Then imagine how you would feel after making that statement and, and Jesus looks at you and says, no, not seven how about 70 times seven? I mean, think how that would kind of make you feel. Kind of disillusioned, discouraged. How, how am I, I going to do that? I mean, I thought seven was pretty good. How am I ever going to pull off 70 times seven? Why did Jesus say this to Peter? Again, it's certainly not to discourage or to depress him. Why in the world would Jesus say this in response to Peter? Here's what I believe Jesus was trying to teach Peter and what I think he may be trying to teach you and I when it comes to forgiveness. Peter comes to Jesus and he says, I want to forgive my brother. I want to forgive those who have hurt me and sinned against me. And Peter says, so I'm, I'm going to set the bar pretty high here. I'm going to set it at seven 
And Jesus kind of counters that, and he says, you know what, Peter, it's not high enough. How about 70 times 7? It's, it's kind of like if you were going to do the pole vault. You know, Peter would come to Jesus and says, I want to just make it over the bar, so let's set it as high as possible. Let me just set that at 19 feet. And Jesus comes back and says, no, not 19 feet, Peter. How about let's set that at 19 miles? Why would Jesus say that? Well, here's why. You know what? If you and I set the bar at 19 feet, we think we can do that in our own strength, our own ability, our own energy. And we'll spend the rest of our lives striving to maintain our ability to clear that bar at 19 feet. Our ability to rely on our strength, our power, our ability to forgive others. And that's why Jesus comes along and he says, no, not 19 feet. Let's do 19 miles. <laughs> you know what? All of a sudden we realize I can't do that. That's beyond my strength. That's beyond my ability. I can't do that on my own. And Jesus says, exactly. That's what I want you to see. That's what I want you to understand. You can't forgive in your own strength. I didn't make you to do that. Jesus said, that's why you're going to need me. That's why you're going to need my strength. That's why you're going to need to lean on my power. Why you're going to need to leverage into my abilities because you'll never have what it's going to take to forgive somebody as often as they're going to need to be forgiven. Do you know some of the ways we forgive or we don't forgive or hold back in forgiveness really can kind of be toxic in and of itself. There are a couple of scriptures about forgiveness that shows us how to forgive that a lot of people, again, we kind of miss or we misunderstand or we misapply that. And again, if you don't really understand biblical forgiveness or misapply it, forgiveness really can become kind of toxic. Let me just give you an example of that. Suppose that maybe you find out that someone in your family maybe has been you know, spreading untrue, uh, ugly gossip about you to other family members. Now, again, I know this is totally hypothetical. This never happens uh, in real life, in real families. So, again, just try to engage your imagination on this one. But just suppose that that happened and, and you find out about that. What does the Bible have to say about how you need to deal with and to resolve that? Questions like, should I forgive immediately? Should I wait and forgive them when they come and acknowledge what they've done or they ask me to forgive them? If you choose to forgive them immediately, I mean, should you write them a note? Do you call them on the phone and say, I want you to know I have forgiven you for what you've done? How should you handle that biblically? Well, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says this, be kind and compassionate to one another Forgiving each other just as Christ, God forgave you. Now, forgiveness in that verse, again, it replies that it is immediate and it's total. We forgive each other in the same way that God has forgiven us through Christ, and that is immediately and totally. Amen? However, Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 3, says this, If you see your friend going wrong, correct him. 
If he responds, forgive him, even if it's personal against you, and repeated seven times through the day, and seven times he says, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, forgive him. So that verse is saying that, you know, is that verse saying that you don't forgive him until he, you know, comes and asks you to forgive him? No. You kind of take what Paul says there in Ephesians, what Jesus says there in Luke, and you kind of bring those two verses together. And when you do that, what it says is when somebody has wronged you, you need to forgive them immediately and you just release them completely to God. That's what the verse from Ephesians is telling us. Immediately, in your vertical relationship with God, you say, Father, they have sinned against me. They've done wrong against me. I choose to forgive them completely and totally. I, I, I just surrender. I give them. I give the whole situation to you right now. You let it go to God. So when are you going to tell them then that you have forgiven them? The verse in Luke kind of tells you that. You tell them when they come to you and acknowledge, you know what, what I did to you, what I said to you was wrong, and I just want to ask for your forgiveness. That's when you tell them. You know what? You say to them, I already forgave you the moment that happened. I completely forgave you immediately, completely. I gave all of that to God so that when they come to you acknowledging the wrong, asking for your forgiveness, you can simply say, it's already been done. It's already been taken care of them, of it. And when they come and they ask for your forgiveness, you're able to just immediately and wholly tell them, I have forgiven you. But if you will not forgive people until they ask for it or until they acknowledge what they've done, this is an example of how forgiveness can really be toxic in and of itself. Oftentimes, people just stay locked in bitterness. They stay locked in unforgiveness, and they're waiting for that person to acknowledge the wrong. They're waiting for that person to come and to acknowledge what, they're done, what they've done, and, and what happens is oftentimes we kind of just stay uh, just mired in, in that toxic, uh, those toxic feelings, those toxic behaviors, bitterness, unforgiveness. So you forgive them immediately, you release them completely to God, and um, you know what, what if they don't come and ask you to forgive them? It's no big deal because you've already dealt with it. When they come to you and ask you to forgive them, you know what? That's just icing on the cake. So let me just say this because I know so what some of you are, are thinking. You know, you're, you're saying so, you know, uh, you keep forgiving again, but you don't keep trusting. Okay, some of you, you know, you kind of forgive and then you just open yourself back up for, for more injury, uh, for more you know, sin uh, being done against you. You know, you keep forgiving, but you don't have to keep trusting. You don't have to keep engaging those toxic family members in the same way. I believe that trust has to be earned. Healthy relationships have to be built. And oftentimes where there's been toxic relationships, building those healthy relationships, it takes time. 
So trust has to be earned. Healthy relationships have to be built, whereas the Bible says forgiveness is freely, immediately, and totally given again and again and again. So as we kind of get more and more into this, you're going to see how freeing this really can be for you, especially in dealing with toxic family members, members that, you know, are not easily avoidable. I mean, some of these people are people that you live under the same roof with. There's just no way to disconnect or to separate yourself from them. So that prayer, Father, enable me, empower me, not by my own strength, not in my own power, not in my own ability, but God, teach me, enable me, empower me to begin to lean into you for your strength, your power, your ability to do what I cannot do on my own. Father, enable, empower me to forgive other people, forgive my family. Well, that's the first in the four prayers uh, in dealing with toxic family members. Next week, we're going to tackle uh, number two. Let's just stand together, and we're going to close in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much that, Lord, all that you're calling us to do, all that you call us to be in our walk, in our relationship with you, that, God, we don't have any of that in and of ourselves. That, God, if it just left to ourselves, our own strength, our own power, our own abilities, God, we would never get anything done. We would never do anything, God, that would, that would be a, a blessing. Nothing would ever get done, God, that would honor or glorify you because, God, we need you. We need your strength. We need your power. We need your ability. We need your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. God, everything you have, everything you offer us, God, we need that through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, God, if we are to ever overcome, if we are to ever be victorious in this life, especially overcoming and being victorious with those toxic family members. So God, I especially pray for people here this morning who are maybe engaged in some very toxic relationships in their families, people who have been deeply hurt and wounded People who may be here this morning and, and, and they just find themselves locked in bitterness and anger, unforgiveness. And God, they're looking for a way out. They're looking for a release. And God, I believe this morning that you have provided that. So Father, this morning is, as we come again, God, just help us learn to just trust in you to look to you, to rely upon you in every measure, in every uh, place, in every relationship in our lives, God, that we would trust you, that, God, you're gonna give to us what we need to be able to overcome. So, Father, I just ask, Lord, as we have this opportunity to share in communion, if we've done that or we're yet to do that this morning, Again, Father, we just thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, he made very clear to the disciples in that time of the Passover meal as he took that cup and he lifted that cup up to you and he gave thanks to you. And Jesus acknowledged that the, the juice in that cup, it represented his blood and that that blood was able to forgive, to forgive us 
It's also there in, uh, to forgive others. And so, Father, this morning as we take and we take the body and, and, Lord, we dip that into the juice which represents his blood again, God, that it would again be a reminder to us that how we have been forgiven is how we are called to forgive. So, Father, this morning I just pray as we examine our hearts, the Lord, we would just ask, God, if there's anybody that we're holding in bitterness, anyone that we're holding in unforgiveness, that, God, you would enable us through the power of Jesus' blood, that, God, as we have been released, as we have been set free from our sins, that, God, we would also see that the blood of Christ would enable us to let others go, to release them to you. To ask God that they would come to understand that the power of Christ's blood is available for them for their forgiveness as well. And that God, we would be able just to release and to let go. That we would be able to walk free from this place this morning. No grudges, no resentment, no revenge because all of that has been satisfied through the cross and through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, for that, we are grateful. And we thank you for this reminder this morning as we come and partake of the bread and the juice. And we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.